go to Children's Church. They're assembling right over here to my left, and I know they're going to have a lot of fun. I just want to come when y'all have goldfish, okay? Okay, just call me. No, that day, that's good. You know, the songwriter said this, said, speaking of the cross, he said, if that isn't love, then the ocean is dry. There's no stars in the sky, and the sparrow can't fly. He said, if that isn't love, then heaven's a myth. There's no feeling like this if that isn't love. Amen. Thank God for the cross. I told him in the early service, we don't just celebrate Easter once a year for the child of God. It's a daily celebration. Amen. It's what we, where we hang our, our hope and our heart and everything of eternity on. I want to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, if you would, find verse 129. We'll pick up reading there. We began talking about this next stanza of Psalm 119 on Palm Sunday, and then we go a little detour to Hebrews chapter 1 last week for Easter Sunday. We talked about what Jesus did and how he took care of our redemption by himself. Amen. I'm grateful to God for that. But we want to pick back up in uh, verse 129, and uh, we got down to about verse 132, but I'm going to recap us a little bit in a moment to get us caught up to where we're at as we continue talking about a demonstration of devotion. You know, we determine that a demonstration is better than just a definition. A definition is what we can write on paper. It's something we can read, and it gives us an understanding. But when there's a demonstration, it takes it further. Uh, it takes it further than just words on a paper, but it's a life fleshed out defining the demonstration of devotion that we have to the Lord. So I'm grateful for what the Lord has taught us thus far. If you found your place physically able, stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Psalm 119, and we'll pick up reading in verse 129, but we'll focus our hearts beginning in verse 132 here in a moment. The Bible says these words. It says, Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives Understanding to the simple, I opened my mouth and panted for I longed for your commandments. That's where we left off last time in this stanza. Verse 132 says these words, says, Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray your will be done today. Thank you for the words of the music we've all enjoyed together, testified of you and the great sacrifice you paid for us on Calvary's cross. Now, Father, I pray as we open the Word of God and read from its pages, you'll help me to make known its unsearchable truth to your children today and to those in this attendance. And may the Son of God be glorified through the faithful proclamation of his Word today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Talking about a demonstration of devotion, I want to catch you back up just a little bit of what we talked about in those opening verses as we recognize that the psalmist took time to take what I call a holy reflection. He looked back. It's good to look back. We've talked about this many times. We learned from our good friend Tony Evans, who's a wonderful, wonderful teacher, preacher of the Bible. Uh, he says, 
you always need to glance in the rearview mirror, but you need to cast your gaze in the windshield. As you're looking into the windshield going forward into your future, just like driving a car, every now and then it does you good to take a little reflect to what's behind you for several reasons. Well, in life we do take these reflections, and the psalmist did that, and he reflected on some things that he wanted to make sure really mattered to him in his future. It had mattered to him in his past, but he really wanted to stay committed in the future. The Lord's testimony in verse 129 and how he wanted to continue that testimony of faithfulness and be who God wanted him to be. We talked about the same verse 130, how he asked the Lord to continue to navigate him toward the truth, to pull him toward the things that would really, really matter, give him understanding and insight. And then we ended by talking in verse 131 how the psalmist had a desperation for transformation. He wanted to continue to be that God created him to be. Wanted to constantly have a hunger for God's word and a hunger for the hearing of God's voice. He talked about, we left by sharing a couple of verses from the Psalms in Psalm 42, as a deer pants for the water. The psalmist said, so my soul pants for you, O God. In Psalm 29, we talked about how the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters, and the voice of the Lord is powerful. And I left you by telling you that what the psalmist wanted us to do was always stay attentive and in tune to the voice of God. So we pick up in verse 132 today, and we notice as the psalmist continues to talk to us about this demonstration of devotion, he takes it just a step further and issues a humble request. Not just a holy reflection, but a humble request. Beginning with verse 132, he makes several requests of the Lord. And I believe as a child of God, it's healthy for you to do that. Very important that you cry out to God and to make your heart known to him. It's not as though he doesn't know it, but that you would stay in with him by humbly requesting his presence and power in your life. The psalmist had a heart to live as an obedient servant to the Lord, and his heart of obedience is seen in several phrases that he makes in this text. In verse 132, he asked the Lord to look upon him. In verse 133, he asked the Lord to direct his steps. In verse 134, he asked the Lord to redeem him. And in verse 135, he said, Lord, would you make your face to shine upon your servant? I love what John Phillips says. He says in these next five verses, beginning in verse 132, the psalmist depicts five states of the soul. He senses that there is danger without and within. Sometimes it's easy for us to notice the danger on the outside, but not ever acknowledge the danger of our own sinfulness on the inside. He said this, he said his seesaw experiences are not foreign to us. We experience these moments too. We experience moments of exultation as we revel in some delightful truth from God's word that has gripped our soul. But those moments are followed by a swing of the pendulum and we give way to depression and defeat. I don't know about you, but there have been experiences in my journey, and I would venture to say it's true of you also, 
that there were moments that your heart was so gripped by some truth from God's word that you were just captured by that truth that you just could not express the joy you had with your, your human vocabulary. But then in a matter of maybe days, maybe hours, maybe minutes, or maybe seconds, that joy that you once had and that that powerful experience that you had from the word that had gripped your soul so tightly gave way to feelings of discouragement and depression. Well, that's why it's so important that the child of God daily review our motives. I quote Proverbs 4.23 to you regularly because it is one of the most important verses I've found in the word of God when it comes to staying focused on God's will and God's word. Uh, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said these words. He says, you need to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. That word keeps also translated guard. It, it means to literally set a garrison or a watchman at all times at the very doorway of your heart to keep it with all diligence because your heart, your inner being is so very important and so vital to your life and testimony that if you don't keep it with all diligence then you can allow things to come into your heart that will flow out of your heart that will be of great detriment to your life. See, a person's motives are very important in life and why we do what we do is especially important to those who serve the Lord. When our motives are pure, when our motives are holy, we are always more concerned with our master's reputation than we are that of our own. We are concerned about what our actions and our th thinking and our ways do to the reputation of our Redeemer. See, as the psalmist makes this appeal of mercy from the Lord, he does so in three distinct areas. And I want you to walk through those with me. The first area he does is he ask the Lord for exhausted pardon how could the Lord um, excuse me how could the psalmist make such a passionate appeal for the Lord that he would give him mercy and pardon now, I told him in the first service and I, the first time I ever remember hearing the word pardon was when I was just a young boy and President Ford was our president and he had extended a full and complete and unconditional pardon to President, former President Nixon due to any wrongdoing that might have taken place during Watergate. Watergate was one of the first things I remember seeing on the news. Watergate, Pat Hearst, and the Vietnam War was the first things I remember from my memory being able to say I saw this on the news. But when President Ford extended this pardon, politically, it really didn't help him. Most historians say that this pardon kept him from being elected president in 1976. And most people would say there are some people that say it was the right thing to do for the healing of the nation. There are others that say it was the wrong thing to do because nobody was held accountable and all this kind of stuff. Well, I'm not really into that and I'm not here to debate that today, but I want to make a point. Regardless of what that pardon meant or what that pardon does, that pardon only lasted as long as this lifetime. But when Jesus Christ went to Calvary's cross and shed every drop of his life's blood out of obedience to the Father to redeem mankind from their sin. And when I bowed my head and bowed my knee and cried out to God and repented of my sins and trusted him as Lord and Savior, 
that very moment he extended a full and complete and unconditional pardon to my soul that could not be revoked. Amen? It could not be revoked. Here's the good news. It's not just good for this lifetime. It's good for eternity. And because of what Jesus did, here's what's available to you today. You, sir, you, ma'am, may came into this building today. You may have come into this building today and you may have said, you know what, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. You may feel the weight of guilt, shame, and sin upon your life. I want you to know and I want to present to you today the resurrected Jesus Christ who gave his life for you in your place, took all your guilt, all your sin, all your shame upon himself, bled and died in public, ladies and gentlemen, was buried, put in a borrowed tomb, and three days later got up from the dead. That man, Jesus Christ. You know what he did? He has come today to issue you a full and complete pardon, unconditional, irrevocable if you will just repent of your sin and trust him as Savior. That's what I'm talking about. Amen? That's what matters. All this other stuff we get so caught up in this life is so immaterial, but what we do with Jesus will matter for eternity. Uh, notice how he made this appeal. How could he make such an appeal? Well, if you look back at verse 129 and following, look what he said. He said, Lord, your testimonies are wonderful. He said, Lord, the entrance of your word gives light. He said, I have opened my mouth and panted. Listen, the psalmist knows that he can make this request from God because look at verse 132, the second part. He says, as your custom is toward those who love your name. What's he talking about? He can request grace and mercy from God because it is the custom or practice, if you will, of God toward those who love his name. He said, Lord, this is what you do. This is your custom and your practice. Well, I love what I learned from John Phillips this week on this subject, verse 132, what teaches us some things about God. It teaches us three things about him. It teaches us that God is able to see here's what the psalmist said he said look upon me and that reminds us that nothing happens to God's children or anywhere under the sun that God does not see he is the all knowing all seeing omniscient omnipotent and omnipresent God but not only is he able to see he's anxious to save the psalmist said Lord be merciful to me anybody need mercy from God today Lord knows I do and I know you do See, God is merciful to the nations, ladies and gentlemen. God is merciful to the United States of America today. Do you believe that? And he is so merciful to us, he is much more willing to bless us with revival than he is to blast us with ruin. He really wants this nation to come back to him. He's not interested in, in destroying a nation. He came to deliver nations. God help us today. We need to understand that. He's merciful not just to nations. He's merciful to individuals. If you're a child of God today, you're a recipient of that mercy. And I want you to know how we can always remember it. Is that Calvary's cross is God's long-standing, eternal advertisement of the fact that he is a merciful who under the sun would give their son for people who would reject him? 
Who under the sun would offer their son as a substitute sacrifice for the sins of the whole world? Only God could do that, and he gave his son. Ladies and gentlemen, he is certainly uh, merciful to the nations. He's able to see, he's anxious to save, but he's also, he's always the same. I love this about God. I bet y'all never had this happen to you growing up. Probably the, even now. You know, I used to think when I was growing up that a lot of silly things that I did that I had to deal with that people did would go away when I got grown. <laughs> that didn't happen. Didn't happen to me. I remember there used to be people who would speak to you and talk with you as long as nobody more important was around. You know how that happened. Amen. I've never been a very important person, so I was, didn't matter. But I remember folks would be like that, and I thought, you know, when I get grown, that won't happen anymore. Wow. Still does. But anyhow, here's the thing. People are not always the same, but God is. He says, Lord, you're always the same because this is your custom toward those who love your name. This is your practice. Abraham was the God, excuse me, just as much as God was the God of Abraham, he was the God of Isaac. He even became the God of Jacob. Jacob wasn't a real good dude, was he? But the Lord who also met with Moses is the one who delivered David. And he's also the one who sought out Solomon. And can I tell you, that same Lord has not changed. Here's what the psalmist was saying to him. Lord, you must treat me the same way you have treated others because this is your custom. You were merciful to Jacob. <laughs> you were merciful to Job. You were even merciful to Jonah. Now think about it. Jacob, he was a test, I'm sure. Job passed the test. But Jonah... I mean, he was a reluctant prophet to say the best. Jonah wasn't going through the streets of Nineveh pleading with those people to repent. He was kind of hoping they wouldn't. He didn't like them. He was hoping, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go do what the Lord said because I don't want to go back in the belly of that fish anymore. I'm going to go do what he said, and I'm going to go tell these people in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Y'all remember when they did repent? He didn't even rejoice. He got all mad, went and pouted. But you know what? God still showed him mercy. And because it's God's custom, he still extends the same mercy to you and I. Not only exhaustive pardon, but he also talked about extensive purification. The psalmist had an overwhelming desire in his life. And you know what that was? He wanted to live an obedient life. I know in our earthly growing up, I don't know about you, but there's many times that I obeyed not out of the fact that I wanted to be obedient, but because I didn't want to pay the price for disobedience. Anybody with me? A lot of children don't have that fear anymore. I haven't picked up on that. I don't know if you have. Just take a trip down to the Walmart or the Target, and you will see displayed for you that there are children who do not have the fear of punishment anymore. Right? Okay, just checking. Big say, am I going to the wrong store? I mean, y'all going where all the kids behave, right? But there were times I only obeyed because I didn't want to pay the price for disobedience. So let, let me talk to you, okay? The psalmist was saying, Lord, I want you to direct. I want you to establish my steps. I want you to establish everywhere I'm going. I want you to be involved in everything that I'm doing. I want to walk according to your principles. But I want you to know something. 
He did so not because he was more concerned about the punishment he would receive from disobedience, but he was afraid of where he would be if he was left to himself and God took his hand off of him. See, as a preacher of the gospel today, I want you to know when I walk up these steps today, I walk up these steps not in fear that God's going to whoop me this afternoon, but I do walk up these steps in fear that he might take his hand of blessing off of me. Amen? That I might live in such a way or make decisions in such a way that he would remove his hand of blessing. That is my greatest fear because, listen, even though I've been doing this 35 years, I've been a pastor 28 years, that does not mean nothing. I've not learned how to do a thing. I don't walk up these steps today with my own intellect or my own inspiration. I come to you today, as Paul said, to stand before you in demonstration of the power and the Spirit of God. That's what's got to happen. The psalmist realized that the Lord's direction for his life was the only way he could live a life that fulfilled God's plan. So here's the key. Obedience is always the key that unlocks the door to an overcoming life. God extends the orders. We must exercise the obedience. He extends the orders. We must exercise the obedience. Listen, this is good. I read this this week. God will not order our steps if we have no intention of doing what he says. Did you hear that? That blew, that knocked me off. I mean, I had to walk outside after I read that. Hey, wait a minute. God, I'm praying for God to order my steps, but God knows my heart, and he knows whether I really have any intention of doing what he says in the beginning with. So if I'm asking him to order my steps, I better make sure that my obedience is right that when he does order my steps, that I have every intention, I've set my heart on doing what he said to do. He said if we've run into a period of our lives where there is silence from God, then here's the reason. It's likely that somewhere along the way we have stopped being obedient to him or we've trusted in some other human substitute instead of him did you hear me I, I've met people all of my journey saying wait a minute there is I pray but I don't hear anything back I read my Bible and I try I, I sense this silence from God it could be that somewhere along the line we began to have no intention of doing what he said so he quit ordering our steps Ladies and gentlemen, could it be that the reason that churches in America today, even before the pandemic, were becoming anemic at touching the culture, could it be that we had no intention of doing what God said and we'd learn how to do things our way, so therefore he stopped ordering our steps? God help us. I don't know if y'all know this, but this really matters to me. Amen. This really matters to me. And I want to help you walk with God. I want to help you have fellowship with God. Why? Because it is the will of God that he orders your steps. I want to see you walk in victory, not in defeat. We can't trust the, son, the human substitutes. The psalmist had such a longing in his heart that the Lord would direct his life. He said, Lord, let no iniquity have dominion over me. Golly, what a strong word. He said, Lord, don't let anything be more important to me than you. It's been well said 
that the way sin gains control of us is to simply get us walking on the wrong path. Here's what the Word does. The Word gives us clear direction how to stay on the right path. Here it is. James chapter 4, verse 7. James said these words. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now look here. There's some, two things you've got to do, and there's one real promise God makes you if you do those two things. The word submit means to place under one's authority. Listen, if you don't submit, you have no power to resist. A lot of people, and I've met them over the years, they want to spend a lot of time out here rebuking the devil. It's a dangerous place. God has not called you to rebuke the devil. He's not empowered you to rebuke the devil. But when you submit to him, he gives you the ability to resist the devil. I don't even talk to the devil. I've told you all that before. I used to think that we just got to tell him, get behind me, Satan, whatever. I, I mean, it was Jesus that said that. I really don't need to be talking to the devil because I need to be talking to my Lord. My Lord said he'd rebuke the devourer for my sake. Amen. Let's talk to the Lord. The Lord, you take care of him. I mean, he, he, he takes care of that. He doesn't need me standing up like some spiritual giant saying, oh, get behind me, Satan. No, no. He just says, son, you talk to me, you submit yourself, and you walk in obedience with me, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Wow. God is good. We all need God's protection every day. Snares are all around us. And I plead with you from my heart to yours and from God's heart to submit fully. Put yourself under his authority completely without any reservation. Remember what the psalmist said in verse 131? He said, Lord, my soul pants for you. That's, all, that's captured my soul. He, he said, Lord... My heart is panting to hear from you. My heart is panting for you to give me the next direction of where to take steps in my life. And I love what Spurgeon said about this verse. He said, if God looks and sees us panting for him, he will not fail to be merciful to us. When we stop panning for his direction and his voice in our life, then we are found left to our own devices and therefore we do not have him ordering our steps. Oh God, help us to be faithful to him in order that he would always be merciful to us. And he gives us a word about eternal preservation there in verse 134. He says, redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. You know, we can never be reminded too often if you're a man, woman, boy, or girl and you've taken a stand for Jesus Christ, you've taken a stand for righteousness, you can be certain you will encounter oppression, you will encounter opposition, and you will suffer persecution. It's going to happen. You cannot escape it. But here's the good news about it. The psalmist had several encounters with the oppressors in his life in this chapter. And he asked the Lord to set him free of that because he wanted his life guided by the holy precepts of the Lord. He says, Lord, I want you to take this away. I have found sometimes the oppressors and the persecutors stay in or in around you or somewhere near you, and it keeps you humble and focused on God. Have y'all noticed that? Oppressors will always be there. We're always going to experience that. We're always going to encounter the opposition. But here's the good news. As a child of God, I cannot escape the oppressors, but thank God they'll never possess me. 
Hey, this is going to be worth your trip right here. You're going to be glad you came to church today. Okay, look here. If you are a child of God, you've already been possessed. Somebody asked me one time, said, man, you're like a man possessed. And I'm like, you're right, I am. But I'm possessed by a holy God and the Holy Ghost of God has indwelled my heart and soul. He possesses me. No one else can possess me. He bought me with a price. I belong to him, but I'll tell you one thing for sure. Even though I may be oppressed, I will only be possessed by him. Oh, God, help us today. God, help us today to never forget that truth. And then notice with me, if you will, verse 135, 136. I'm going to close today by talking to you about a healthy relationship. Here's what the psalmist said. Man, I want to have a good relationship with my Lord. And I want you to know our Lord desires to have close, intimate, and healthy relationships with his children. I had a man once tell me, he said, when my children were small, he said, oh, I tell you, you have to be careful. You know, you have to kind of, you know, temper that relationship with your kids and not get too close to them. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't listen to that advice. Amen. Yeah, man, that's crazy. You know, somebody asked me, he said, one time I told my girls, I said, you'll get a lot of free advice in this world. And the reason it's free is because that's all it's worth. Amen. That was not even worth the free. Tell me not to get, my girls are grown now, fixing to leave my nest. I'll tell you what, I'd go back and do it all again ten times. I'm so glad that I just invested my life in being close to them. Because I'm going to need them to take care of me one of these days. <laughs> oh boy they got a job ahead of them <laughs> it's a healthy relationship here's what he talked about the first thing he said verse 135 he said man I got a hunger for holiness evidently the psalmist had encountered a period of time that even he felt distant from God wait a minute a person inspired to write down the words of holy scripture encountered times they felt distant from God we're going to experience that too maybe he felt as though some dark cloud had got between him and God I don't know about you but I've met many people over my time that have experienced the same thing I have even gone through those periods in my own journey do you know what the psalmist wanted he wanted the dark cloud gone I don't know how it is around here sometimes. Most of the time it seems like it's every February. It'll rain for like two weeks straight. All right? And that's a tough time. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm saying just a little bit of sunshine, just a little bit, just a break in the clouds, dry some things up, just a little bit of sunshine. Take the dark cloud away. <clears throat> he wanted the cloud removed because he wanted to see it since the face of God shining toward him. Well, there's some good news. God's face is always shining toward his children. Wow. Do you know that that even means even when circumstances might get us to thinking otherwise, his face is still shining toward his children. But listen, even if Satan traps us in some error, even if the flesh causes us to fall or the world might oppress us, we can always understand that even if we turn away from God and follow the natural laws of our wayward hearts, even though we might change and even the world might change, we can be certain that the scripture tells us that God never changes. Well, how do I know that? I'll give you an Old Testament and a New Testament. Old Testament, in the book of Malachi chapter 3, if you're a student of scripture and you've studied the book of Malachi, Malachi's prophesying saying, you preachers are pitiful. 
He said, you guys have lowered the standard. You guys are taking all of these sacrifices and all of these offerings and they're not worthy offerings. That's what he said. And he said, listen, y'all changed the way, you've changed the rules, but listen to me, God hasn't. And Malachi said in Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, he said, I am the Lord and I change not. In the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 13, we read where the Bible tells us of Jesus Christ that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no changing in him even though there might be changing in us. And here's the key. A key to staying hungry for the Lord is to evaluate what is most important and what is our top priority. You know, I've had a lot of heartbreaks as a pastor, and I'll tell you one of my greatest heartbreaks is when I see people families, individuals, groups, whatever, begin to focus their life on things that have zero eternal significance and begin to focus on things that will not matter once we're gone and it always has a tendency, that's a nice word, to draw people away from what's most important. It's always heartbreaking to me to see people drift from a burning desire to serve and love God. Always. One of the greatest, greatest heartbreaks. There's also great challenges. And one of the greatest challenges that I face and have for many years, and the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I was challenged by a friend of mine the other day. You ever get challenged by your Christian friends? It's okay if you do, and, and it's, it's, it's helpful. God speaks through his word and God speaks through a lot of things but God also speaks through people that give a rip about you. Amen? Really do. And this friend of mine said to me, he said, Brent, uh, I've noticed something about you. That's always scary to me when people say that, right? Because I know I got a ton of flaws and you know that's one thing all of us have in common. We got a ton of flaws. We need God and we need each other. And here's what my friend said. I've noticed that you're very reluctant to ask for prayer for yourself or for your family or to expose any burden that you're carrying publicly. You know what my friend was? Right. <laughs> it's hard when you're, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Because what my friend was saying to me is, is it's not unhealthy for you spiritually and as a pastor to, she said, to, to tell us how we can pray better for you in other words so I went home and talked to the Lord about that and the Lord convicted me of that and I realized hey the reason I, and I'm going to tell you some reasons why I have made that decision in the past I don't say much I don't tell you a lot about birds or whatever because one is I know you got a bunch okay this is no excuse but here's what I use you got a bunch of birds you got a lot of things you can't control. And the second thing is, is throughout my journey, you know what I have done? I have trusted folks for when I got burned. You ever had that happen? It's never an excuse, though, because if you try to protect yourself from getting burned, that's a dangerous place to be because you're going to get internal, you're going to isolate yourself, and then you're going to really become a target for Satan. So anyhow, I thought about that and then just this week. Um you got a lot of stuff and I got a lot of stuff we all do but I don't mention many things because one thing is I just just get right down to it sometimes it may be a pride issue 
Y'all got trouble with that? You know the guy that don't have trouble with pride is the guy that really does? The guy says, oh, I don't have trouble with pride. Yes, he does. He just admitted it. He does. But maybe a pride issue, not that we want it to be, but he is. So this week, you know, you know, personally, I got a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, right now, neither one of my parents are at home. My mom's in assisted living, memory care, and we'll be there from now on. Uh, my dad's been in the hospital for a week, just got out. He's going to spend 21 days in rehab. Uh, here at the uh, nursing home, hopefully getting better. So I got both of them things going. And that, you know, that's a whole lot of stuff. And y'all know if you've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. And, and then I thought about, oh, yeah, I got two girls getting married. Yeah, that's that's coming up. I went the other day to, to get fitted for the little suit, you know, they put you in. And, uh, <laughs> and they couldn't find our file. And I told the lady, I said, oh, that's good. That means all this stuff's canceled. Let's go home, girls, you know. <laughs> you, know you know, there used to be a time I'd grab both of them by the hand, and I could have walked through the backside of Egypt, and they'd just carried my hand. I tried to lead them away from getting married, and it did not work. They would not. They just, they're not following my lead anymore. <laughs> they got a lot of stuff. So I do need your prayers, and I appreciate you so much. I appreciate my friend for making me aware of that. You know, and lots of times when we are made aware of our own shortcomings, you know what we like to do? We like to do a good spiritual thing. We like to pout, amen? And I don't pout. I know I got shortcomings, but it helped me. It really made me evaluate, but there's also challenges. One of my greatest challenges is not at being able to be everywhere everybody wants you to be. You know, I've always read, and I remember reading this thing years ago, everybody's got an ideal picture in their mind about what a pastor's like, and who'd be the perfect pastor. If you find him, please don't join his church. You know, you'll ruin him. But anyhow, I just don't do that. But the reality of it all is that there's no one on earth who will ever be able to fulfill all people's personal expectations. So what do we do? We have to determine what's most important. We have to get a laser focus on the priority of what's most important, focus our heart and our life on fulfilling the expectations that God has for us. That's so important. I remember when in my first full-time church, I was scared to death I was going to miss a hospital visit. I was scared to death I was going to miss this. I was scared to death I was going to miss that. And there's people here, they're here. I felt like a boomerang, you know? And it literally, I like to lost my mind trying to do all that. I could not get everywhere, and it just liked to drove me crazy. And thank God I set myself free from that, and, and it's really helped me. But see, our lives are cluttered because we're daily bombarded with millions of bits and bytes of information I don't ask why is our culture so distracted I ask why not we carry in our phone in our pocket a phone mine's back in the office I don't bring it out here with me but um it goes off a lot text emails oh the old fashioned phone call you get one of those every now and then. I mean but all these different things but then it's dinging about every little thing. Every time you get a chat snap and everything else, you just, it's just dinging. Oh, I can't miss this. I can't miss that. And Twitter and all this kind of stuff. I mean, and before you know it, your mind is so caught up in all that kind of stuff, you can't help but get distracted. Do you know what I've learned that takes away that distraction? Go fire up the power saw. That'll do it right there. I cut up all kind of stuff this past week because I mean, I mean, you can't hear the phone when the power saw is going. I mean, not at all. Power saw, weed eater, that's good stuff. But anyhow, 
it's easy to get distracted. But the most important things get lost in the shuffle, friends. We get a lot of static in our lives. You know what it does? It keeps us from moving forward and it keeps us from being hungry for God because we're just hungry for the next piece of information. I like what David Jeremiah said. He wrote a book this year called Forward. I recommend it to you. I encourage you to read it. Here's what he said. Oftentimes our inability to move forward is due to a lack of priorities. We fail to even consider that some things are more important than others and without understanding the nature of priorities you can sort through the cares of this world but you can become paralyzed by burdens, business and busyness. In trying to do everything you end up doing nothing. The paralysis of analysis can devastate your morale and your emotional health. And to generate forward momentum, evaluate your activities, delete things of lesser importance, and keep things of greater worth. You know what the psalmist knew? The psalmist knew something that you and I know also from Philippians chapter 1. Even though we don't have it all together, even though we make mistakes, and even though we're not perfect, the Bible tells us in Philippians 1.6 that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. That means he's doing the work, and he will complete the work he started. And then I want you to notice verse 136, and I'm done. He, had a, he was heartbroken for the hell bound. Now, verse 136 just blows me away here. He said, rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. You know what the psalmist was doing? The Spirit of God began to shift his focus. He was shifted from the pain of his oppressor's to the path that they were traveling. No longer was he just focused on the pain they were causing him. He began to look at where they were headed for eternity and he began to be concerned about them. He began to also sympathize with them because they were men who were lost and had no relationship with God. His words in verse, one, verse 136 are very, very familiar to us. When we hear him being concerned about those that oppress him, it sounds a whole lot like Jesus, doesn't it? On the cross, Jesus said, Lord, I, I forgive them. They don't know what they do. Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, he said, Lord, I pray that you'd not lay this sin to their charge as they were stoning him to death. How could Jesus and how could Stephen have such a heart for those that causing them such pain and agony. How could they do that? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus saw that he was fulfilling the will of his Father for the redemption of all mankind. He could see past this world into eternity. And oh, wait a minute. Stephen could see past this too. Because when Stephen said those words and was being stoned to death, he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. So as Jesus was seen by Stephen, as Jesus saw the will of God the Father being fulfilled, hear me, hear me clearly. You and I can do the same thing in this life if we keep our eyes on that same Jesus. Very important we understand that. The psalmist was doing something that's very difficult for people to do. He wasn't just praying for his foes anymore. He was weeping over their eternal destination. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. That is the spirit that brings revival. That is the key to revival. Is when we get so concerned about where people are going to spend eternity that it drives us 
to the Lord and it brings us to tears. Years ago, a long time ago, a guy that's a very smooth, soft singer named Jim Reeves recorded a song, wrote this song, I believe, called How Long Has It Been? Since you knelt by your bed and prayed to the Lord up in heaven. How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed on your knees till the light shone through? Friend, I want you to know in the world we're living in today, that's exactly what needs to happen. We need some folks who are willing to do whatever it takes to see God bring revival to this land. Let me remind you, and I'm done. God does not want to bring ruin to America. If America experiences total ruin, it will not be God's fault. God is pleading. He is crying out. He is speaking clearly into the hearts and minds and lives of people all across this country. And he is pleading with us to return to him. He wants to bring revival, not ruin. And you know how that can happen? Is when we are living demonstrations of devotion to the Son of God. How long has it been? Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, oh, how I'm grateful for your word. And oh, I'm grateful for its truth. I'm grateful for its direction as the psalmist cried out for. I'm grateful for the ability to have a relationship with a holy God through the blood of Jesus. Father, in this room today, my prayer for whatever needs are among the people, whatever needs are among those who are viewing and watching and worshiping online today. God, I pray that whatever needs are among that audience, God, that they will realize and that they have heard from your word from this preacher today that no matter how dark the cloud may seem, no matter how difficult the pain of the oppressors might be we can find comfort in knowing that your face is set toward your children and father that you are calling us to sympathize pray and even weep for those Lord you said in the sermon on the mount that we're to pray for those that despitefully use us and even though that goes totally against everything we think every way we're wired up it goes directly in line with what the spirit of God does within us when he transforms us and makes us more like you Father I don't know what needs are in this room today but I know you do and I pray Father that no one leaves here today carrying a burden that you want to live from them. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together all across the house. This little chorus says, Lead me, Lord. I will follow. Lead me, Lord. I will go. You have called me. I will answer. Lead me, Lord. I will go. I don't know.
know where all it is that God may lead you or may want you to go in this life, but I'll tell you one thing I know. It may be that he just wants you to go as far as making sure that you're right with him making sure that your heart is fixed on what matters to him. It could be that you're in this room today and you've never established a relationship with Jesus, never repented your sins and trusted the Lord and have no eternal hope of heaven should you leave this world today. If that's you, friend, please don't leave this building without knowing Jesus. I'm here to help you and I know we've gone through a hard time. But not, we weren't able to give an invitation for a long time. And, Last week, I just realized, hey, you don't have to talk people out not coming. They'll do that on their own. When God gets a hold of people's hearts, I can't be the one standing between you and getting right with Him. Anything you need from the Lord today, we extend an invitation for you to come to Jesus. You need to, if you just want to find a place to pray, if you need to make a decision for the Lord, whatever it might be, we're here to receive you today because He loves you. So do we. Marty, you lead us when you're ready. Let's sing together. You come as God speaks to your heart. Let's make us our prayer.
relationship in your life, you no longer have control over. You give it to him, right? Many people will not do that. They're afraid. There's a fear factor. What might God call me to do? But here's the thing. He'll never call you where he's not already ahead of you. He'll never ask you or lead you through anything that he's not already there. So as we sing this chorus together, let this be our prayer as a body. Lord, wherever you lead us, individuals or the church, whatever mission opportunities, whatever church planners, whatever things you lead us to in the future that we can invest in for the kingdom of God, let us be ready, willing, and fired up about doing it because you're already there just waiting on us to get on your agenda. Amen? So let's sing this chorus. Make it our prayer today, okay? standing for a moment we're going to dismiss right away but hey don't forget on your way out today if you hadn't seniors parents if you hadn't got your sheets please get those get those back to us by next week so we can have everything ready for senior day <clears throat> don't forget that in wednesday like i told you it's in your bulletin but the only change from our recorded announcements was wednesday night <clears throat> worship at the fair okay let's do that i believe it would be awesome for the body of christ to come together i always told them that going to the county fair down here was one of the first places I learned to pray <laughs> y'all remember that ride they used to have called the zipper <laughs> I'm a friend God please let this thing stop and if they ever let me off the zipper Lord I'll never get on the zipper again I've been true to that amen <laughs> but I learned to pray at the county fair so it ought to be good but do remember that I think it would be great because you know the body of Christ is bigger than us it's bigger than even one county. I mean, the body of Christ is tremendous. And here's the thing about it, is we all have access to the very mercy seat of God. And we need that. God has been so good to Cleveland County through this pandemic. I know we've had some, I know it's, I'm not making any lightning, but all in all, we can still see God has been good. He really has. And he's been good all across this world and this nation. And I just know that he's going to continue to do that. So you remember that. That's the only change and announcements for this week. And our deacons will meet at 4.30 today. We're just praying about, um, you know, some decisions about where we go from here, decisions about our schedule and programming. We'll be communicating all that to you as anything differs. But for right now, we're on this format, 9 and 10.30. And uh, we're just trusting God for that. Sunday school lessons will be up again this week online as they have been. So thankful for the guys that's worked hard and the ladies who have just made it. It's just been a blessing to see people rise up and do whatever it takes to get the job done. But don't forget before you go, you know God loves you. Don't ever forget that I love you. I really do. I thank you for loving me back. I really do. Thank you for loving my family. Thank you for praying for us. 
And if I ever seem reluctant to ask you to pray for me, it's, it's, it's just because, I mean, you know, there's something in me that doesn't want to burden anybody. But, you know, the Bible I read in there says that we are to bear one another's burden. And I've spent a lot of my life helping people bear burdens. Sometimes if I'm not careful, I don't ask for help with my own. And then, you know, it's uh, it can be more than we can handle. So thank you for praying for us. God loves you. I love you. There's not a thing you can do about it. Amen. Marty, sing us out. I want you to have a great Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Draw me near.